Welcome back into Canton Bound. My apologies for last week. Adam was out traveling uh, doing the holidays with his family, so big congrats to him. He was missing. And then me, man, holiday season was rough for me. I uh, I pulled a muscle in my back or did something with a nerve, but I could barely move for about six days. It was terrible. So no episode last week, but I am back this week to bring you another episode of Canton Bound. And it's post post NFL season, post fantasy football season for us, right? Championships are done, uh, unless you play in one of those weird leagues that goes to week eighteen. Uh, I don't know anybody who does that, but if you do, well, good luck to you this upcoming week. But for the rest of us, uh, week seventeen is in the books. Championships are out, and we start the best time of the year: payouts in the dynasty off season. <laughs> it's my favorite. Absolute favorite. I love payout season. I love dynasty off season because it's where the championship work actually begins. You know, people think that, ah, you know, you got to do your work in the playoffs. You do your work in the season. Well, it's the off season. It's how you build your roster. It's how you set up. It's how you get that liquidity. It's how you get all the pieces you need to make a championship run throughout the season. So it's the off season. Uh, It was a great year for me. Uh, personally, as far as fantasy went, uh, seven championships, uh, seven out of 40 leagues. Now, I did have 10 teams that were outright tankers from the jump, so seven out of 30 of teams who potentially you know, could have gone on and done something. Ten of them had no shot uh, by my own doing. Uh, I wanted all those draft picks. I wanted all those 24 picks, and uh, teardowns needed to be done, so not too bad. A uh, little humble brag, I guess, right there, but Seven. Uh, I had 12 shots at it, too. I had 12 teams in the championship. Seven of them uh, ended up bringing home the crown, so not too bad. Uh, it does what it does, right? Those seven, uh, those championships, the money that you win this year pays for the uh, the addiction, the habit, being a dynasty degenerate. Uh, so we'll pay all the league dues, and then boom, we got a little bit left over for uh, playing with more leagues, right? Starting up more leagues, Uh some C2C leagues, another IDP league, and then, of course, you know, all the auctions and redrafts of Dynasty that I'm going to do uh, in the offseason. So, good time, but we do start the Dynasty offseason officially this week. So, what better way to do it than to have a sales list? Players that you should be moving right now. And I mean right now. While they're still hot, while the corpse is still warm, you should be scouting your league. If you got a, a trade deadline that's open, um, you know, as these leagues are getting ready to roll over or renew, you know, maybe that's the signal here in the next week. Um, some of them are still kind of in that limbo phase. You know, the trade deadline may be, uh, may be turned off uh, for the offseason. But as soon as you can, you should be looking to move these players. 
And uh, let's dive into the list right here. First up on the list, we're going to look at the tight end position. And number one of players that you should be looking to move right now is TJ Hawkinson. And I know I'm an Iowa guy. Mike, what are you doing? What are you doing moving your boy TJ Hawkinson? He was amazing. Uh, I'm pretty sure just about any format you look at, he finished as the tight end one in points per game for this uh, fantasy football season. Had a great year. Uh, If not, he was like right up there. One of the elites. But here's the problem. TJ Hawkinson tore his ACL and his MCL. And for anybody that has followed football for a while, you know that multi-ligament knee injuries like ACL, MCL, the return the following year is rough. To compound the fact that he did it in late December. Late December, which always does not bode very well for your outlook for the 24 season. But here's the here's the best part about it though. TJ Hawkinson plays a tight end position, and I love him. And I'm sure he was a tight end one or, you know, a, a top, top three tight end for you in your league, depending on your scoring. But it's an easily replaceable position. We talk about all the time about how tight ends don't really matter as far as warp goes. If you look at warp graphs, uh, every now and then you get, uh, you know, the Travis Kelsey's of the world who just flat out dominate. And those guys are a goldmine. But for the most part, tight ends as a whole, you can replace them. Find production. And people don't value mid-range tight ends like they should, right? It, it always seems like the potential elite ones, we overvalue uh, those guys who are quote-unquote tight end ones, top 12 tight ends, top 10 tight ends, we overvalue the hell out of them. But everybody else falls outside of that range. We just kind of churn and burn these guys, you know, unless they're youthful. Uh, they may be a rookie maybe a, a second-year guy, something that we get excited about, and then we push them up far too far too high. And the reality is those guys don't really score fantasy points at a clip that really matters, and you can replace them with the Hunter Henrys of the world. You know, you can get by with the Taysom Hill this year at tight end, which was disgusting of all disgusting. Uh, think about some of these tight ends that, that came out of nowhere, at least from dynasty value which meant the world to you down the stretch in the fantasy playoffs the evan ingrams the david and jokus who were on heaters these are the kind of guys that you can easily acquire so anytime i have a tight end near the top who has major major concerns like tj hawkinson who's currently still keep trade cuts tight end two even after this injury look to sell look to sell because he's probably not doing much for you in 2024 you're looking at, you know, definitely starting on the pup list. You're looking at a guy who maybe he returns by midseason at best. At worst, you're looking fantasy playoffs he returns. And then he's still coming back from a major knee injury. Think back a couple years ago to the Chris Godwin situation because this is a lot of the same. Chris Godwin was young, exciting, uh, but he tore his ACL, had a multi-ligament knee injury close to the end of the year, about this time uh, TJ Hawkins said that, maybe a little bit before but my thing for that whole offseason was sell Chris Godwin, sell Chris Godwin. You sell him while people still feel good about it, and the reality really hasn't set in. Because what happens if you hold TJ Hawkinson until in the season, a lot of people next year are going to look at it as a zero, somebody that's not helping them, somebody that can't score fantasy points, and they don't want to roster that. They don't want to stare at him in their IRR spots. They don't want to look at him at the bottom of their bench on a best ball roster just doing nothing and scoring zeros. So if you trade him away now while he still has value, quite a bit of value, 
and you get something else, you could always go back to that manager in October or November of next year and try to buy into TJ Hawkinson. Or let's say you make a return next year midseason, and we know knee injuries like these production falls off usually. Like it takes a hit. What if he goes two weeks or three weeks and he's barely scoring any fantasy points and people think, oh, man, this is terrible. I held him all this time. And the psychology really comes in. People are in contender mode. They want points. They want championships. They want them now. If you're in a position, you can buy back TJ Hawkinson. And it's going to be less than what you sold him for right now. So tight end two on keep trade cut. TJ Hawkinson's an easy move. I mean, this 24 draft class is so loaded. I mean, I think me personally, I will take any first round 24 pick in a super flex league for TJ Hawkinson easily. You might be able to ask for a second on top. You might be able to ask for multiple seconds. If you're going to stay within the range of tight ends, though, you're going to make pivots. Could I get possibly Trey McBride, who's keep trade cuts tight end three? Now, that's probably a reach, but okay. I would pivot into a Mark Andrews, no question about it. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, I know I've kind of poo-pooed him throughout the season, but that's a guy uh, I think his value is going to probably fall down unless he does something here week 18 or in the playoffs if the Bills do end up making it. Uh, He has a chance to propel his value, but that'd be a guy I easily pivot to. Kyle Pitts, I will pivot to, no question about it. Um, Not so much because Kyle Pitts has been putting up elite fantasy points, all right? We're just banking on a situation change, but I can guarantee that Kyle Pitts will have more value in September of next year than TJ Hawkinson does. Uh, Travis Kelsey, you could go there if you wanted. George Kittle's an easy one. Jake Ferguson, yes. David Njoku, yes. Cole Komet, yes. Michael Mayer. Um, I think with like Michael Mayer, the Cole Komets, uh, you might even get a plus on top, like a second-round pick, maybe a couple thirds, whatever you wanted to do. Evan Ingram's easy, Dallas Goddard, yes, Pat Fryermuth, yes. Uh, if I wanted to go super crusty, though, Dalton Schultz, that'd kind of be the guy that I would target. You know, t- trade TJ Hawkinson for Dalton Schultz and uh, a second-round pick, easily. And then with that second-round pick, too, if you wanted to double-dip at the tight end, there's going to be some guys. Uh, Jatavian Sanders looks really good in this class. That'd be a guy that I would be interested in. And then... Uh, we get an even grosser uh, Dallin Holker from Colorado State. It's kind of becoming one of my personal favorites. So uh, that's a guy you could probably get in the third or fourth round of your rookie drafts in Superflex leagues, you know, maybe even later, depending on draft capital. But those are some pivots I would make for TJ Hawkinson pretty easily. And then uh, the wide receiver position, that's always a good one to get into if you wanted to go cross-positional. But those are the easy ones if you just wanted to look, you know, tight end to tight end, what do I do, do with TJ Hawkinson? Get off them. Move them. Do it now before it's too late. Do it while the corpse is still warm. And like I said, if you really, really love TJ Hawkinson, that's your dude. Uh, maybe you're a big Iowa fan like me. Maybe you just like getting players uh, that, that you've enjoyed or that have helped you over time. TJ Hawkinson, you can buy back in at a later date. All right. Staying within the tight end position, let's look at another tight end that I think you should be moving. That's Isaiah Likely. Now, Isaiah likely may have helped you to a fantasy championship. Uh, he may have played really well for you down the stretch. He's generating a little hype. Right now, he's keep trade cuts tight end 17, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but for a guy like Isaiah likely, this is a pretty easy move for me. Um, we did like him coming out of college. The, the 
athletic testing left a lot to be desired. He had some moments last year where he looked really good. Uh, heading into this year, we didn't really know what was going to go on with that Todd Munkin offense. There was a lot of people hyping Isaiah Likely up. Uh, we saw, though, early in the season, and for the most part, when Mark Andrews was playing, Isaiah Likely was a zero. He was likely invisible. Mark Andrews goes down. First couple games of Isaiah Likely's uh, starting tenure did not go so well for Baltimore, and then lately he's come on really well. But this is a prime guy. Like While the feelings are good, while people have seen him play, this is a dude I want to put on the trade block and I want to move him. I actually just got an Isaiah Likely deal done um, while I was out of the playoffs here on Sunday. Looking at it, somebody wanted a uh, a tight end for their, their championship push, so no trade deadline leads, just like I like to play. I traded away my Isaiah Likely for Kate Otten and a third. And the beauty of that, and why I recommend it to a lot of people, is what's the likelihood that Kate Otten or Isaiah Likely scores more fantasy points next year? It's probably a toss-up, and I think a lot of people might even put it towards Kate Otten because he has a role. My biggest problem with Isaiah Likely is what is his role when Mark Andrews returns in this offense? Because we saw when Andrews was there, he didn't do anything. Now, I'm not saying that the Baltimore Ravens or Todd Munkin won't find a way to use two tight end sets, but how often have we seen two tight ends thrive in a modern-day NFL offense like as of now? Not very often, and especially for people in lineup leagues, it's a tough sell to be rostering or potentially starting a guy who's the number two tight end on a team unless you're running that A-warp tight end life where you just don't care, which is fine. But Isaiah likely actually carries some value so if I'm running the A-warp, you know, any tight end, you know, I want, I'm just going down to the bottom of the turds, I want to sell the guys who hold value, and Isaiah likely fits that bill. Could he have a role? Yes, yes. But your outs, your scenarios for Isaiah likely having a lot of success rely on three things. One, Isaiah likely gets traded to another team to a future role. Probably not likely. Two, Todd Munkin, the Baltimore Ravens, they decide that they're going to feature their passing attack through the tight end position. And by through the tight end position, I mean that includes Isaiah Likely. And we get some Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski-like type scenario. Isaiah Likely would be fine and would thrive there. It's probably unlikely scenario as well. Or three, Mark Andrews suffers another season-ending devastating injury where Isaiah Likely is the guy. All three of those are unlikely situations that I just odds on I don't want to bank on. So while he carries this top 20 tight end weight, this is a guy I'm, I'm looking to move. If I was going to do anything one for one, for whatever reason, Dalton Schultz is below it. I brought him up before. Uh, I would do that one for one, no problem. I don't even, I'm not a big fan of uh, Chigaquanquo, like, at least from fantasy perspective, I love his game. You know, that's a prospect I like, but that's a guy I would do one for one. Kate Otten is a one for one. Darren Waller is a one for one. Hunter Henry would be a one for one. Uh, Jawan Johnson, easily one for one. Taysom Hill, I will still bank on that as a one for one. But all those guys, the beauty of it is, those are all below Isaiah likely, at least in keep trade cut ranks. So, Listen, if you could do something like one of those guys plus a third for Isaiah Likely, that's a huge smash. If you can even weasel out uh, you know, a second-round pick for Isaiah Likely straight up, that's an easy smash. Multiple thirds, easy smash. Um, some of these people may really be into Isaiah Likely that you could you know, maybe get like a Dalton Schultz in a second. 
maybe get a Tucker Craft in a second. Um, maybe there's somebody out there who's not too high on Pat Fryermuth who's just above Isaiah Likely, and the, the feel-good feels aren't there for him to end the year like they are likely. If you can make that flip, that would be amazing. These are the kind of moves I'm looking at to uh, to try to get for my Isaiah Likely because he's in that range of easily replaceable tight ends. So anytime I can add any kind of va- uh, fantasy value uh, for for future seasons or just turn it into liquidity where I may draft the next Isaiah Likely and I may get two of them with the trade I make. Those are the things I'm looking at doing right now with Isaiah Likely. All right, that's enough of the tight end position. Let's move on to another position. We're going to talk about running backs here. few running backs on the list, and I'm going to start off with a hot one. And, and please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just trying to be pertinent. I'm trying to think, come at this with a lens of dynasty value, future outlook, hot names right now. But it's Kyron Williams. Great story. Love what he did this year. Carried you to fantasy championships. Probably would go down, if you look at it from an ADP lens, the fantasy MVP, right? Just from where he started to how he finished the year. Great. He's currently, though, RB7 on Keep Trade Cut. He is a top 12 running back and locked in RB1. And people look at the youth, and they look at what he did this year, and they are in love. And I'm not saying even that Kyron Williams can't do it again. He very may wear, he may very well do it again. He may repeat. He may do it all over again. And I may be left eating crow, but I'm telling you at RB7 prices, this is an easy one. If I can get close to that, if I can get RB1 prices for Kyron Williams in a trade right now, I do it. I do it because I de-risk myself. And de-risking myself sets me up for future success more than just being right about knowing the outcome of Kyron Williams in 2024. We could be heading for a lot of changes. No one knows what this Rams team is going to look like in 24. They overachieved this year. Now, it looked amazing. And people push the narrative, well, when Sean McVay finds his running back guy, he rides him. I've heard this. I've heard this multiple times. Todd Gurley got ridden into the dirt. Done. Out. Looked like a shell of himself the last time we saw him play. Cam Akers. That used to be his dude once upon a time. Done. Out. Gone. And you could argue, I guess, maybe Cam Akers was never his guy. But there for stretches, Cam Akers sure did look like his guy and put up fantasy points for multiple years. You know, in the playoffs his rookie year, uh, to end last season, Cam Akers had a lot of hype coming in. This is just something I don't want to bank on. I don't want to be holding an asset that's carrying top 12 RB prices, which realistically has a chance to go down quite a bit. Whether the offense changes, whether he finds a new guy, whether he gets upset with him because he doesn't do something that Sean McVay wants. And here we have history on our side to back this up, right? There's only one Isaiah Pacheco, a guy who came out of nowhere and has done it for multiple years, at least in my opinion, who has come out of nowhere, done it for multiple years, has been found money all over the place, and continues to produce. I am finally, here in year three, going into year three, buying into an Isaiah Pacheco type, because I've seen it. I don't think it's going to go anywhere as long as Isaiah Pacheco's healthy, at least at this time. However, it's still a risky bet for an Isaiah Pacheco type, But I can give you a long laundry list of running backs who have been found money, who are here today and gone tomorrow, right? Think of James Robinson. 
gone, done. Basically just left on the scrap heap. Now, the Achilles injury did help along with that, so we do need to acknowledge that. But what about Elijah Mitchell? Elijah Mitchell, once upon a time, led the 49ers in running. (laughs) Looked like that was going to be their back of their future. Lo and behold, they go out, they acquire Christian McCaffrey after a while, and uh, uh, Elijah Mitchell just kind of left on the scrap heap. There's guys like Deontay Foreman, who are found money once upon a time in his rookie year, had an injury, you know, yada, yada, yada. Then he even made a return last year. People were high on Deontay Foreman coming in this year and then didn't do anything. (laughs) Like, barely did anything. He had a few games. Okay, we'll acknowledge that. He had a few games. There is a laundry list of these found money running backs. Great example from this year. Damian Pierce was that dude last year. Found money. And how to go for Damian Pierce this year. These guys are here today, gone tomorrow, especially at the running back position. I understand if you find that money like you have found with Kyron Williams, you feel like you're you're playing with house money. But if you if that house money reaches a certain value point, like it has with Kyron Williams, you need to sell. You need to sell. Especially when you have such a long, long, long laundry list of examples where you've been burned, right? You held for too long. You you thought you knew better and you didn't. So if you're gonna get RB7 or RB1 prices for uh, RB1, you know, top 12 running back prices for a Kyron Williams. Move them. Move them, sell them. Do it. James Cook, that's an easy one for me. That's a one-for-one. Rashad White, yes. Uh, I will bank. If I'm holding on a running back, I'm going to bank on uh, Saquon Barkley having a better situation, whether that's in New York or if he leaves the team. Isaiah Pacheco would be an easy one. DeAndre Swift for me. Uh, David Montgomery, yes. Uh, these guys, too, are all ranked lower than Kyron Williams and don't have all the great feels that a Kyron Williams has right now. So, again, like our conversations with the uh, with the tight end position, you can get pluses on them. Again, with Kyron Williams, I will take any first. Uh, I will take two seconds. Uh, I will take an early second plus maybe a third ju- juice piece uh, and just re-roll that into a position like, hey, maybe the RB1 of this class. You know, maybe a Braylon Allen or a Travion Henderson if they come out. Uh, but if not, like, landing on one of these wide receivers or the QB4 or QB5 of this class would be an absolute godsend. Uh, perfect pivot for me. Move off of Kyron Williams. I know it's faux pas, but uh, it needs to be said. Kyron Williams is on the sell list for me. And sticking with running backs... Let's move on to some running backs who were rookies this year. Some guys that maybe across the board we were high on, we heard some hype, you know, maybe they had a moment or two. But it's going to be these running backs heading into year two that barely did anything or didn't do enough to wow us. Uh, Their situations are murky, maybe they were banged up or injured, but uh, almost all of these uh, year two running backs here, I'm looking at selling. Okay, other than... (laughs) Other than the elites, okay, other than the the Bijans of the world, Jameer Gibbs, and the almost elites, but pretty exciting, and we saw quite a bit from Devon A-Chain, but this is going to include Zach Charbonnet, I'm sorry if there's Charbonnet fans out there, this is Kenneth Walker's backfield, until further notice, uh, Charbonnet's role is going to be touch and go, uh, he's valued as an RB2, now back end RB2, 
but that's an easy re-roll for a guy who's a backup, right? I'm a, If I'm going to pay or hold something that has RB2 prices, I want him to put up RB2 production. I don't want to just be banking on an injury or a situation change. Uh, Roshan Johnson falls into that category. Unfortunately, Kendra Miller also falls into that category. Uh, Chase Brown is getting some steam and some hype. I will throw him into that category and move on from him. And then the easy ones, the layups of the world, uh, the Tank Bigsby's. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tank. Sorry, once upon a time we did love you. We did like you, but uh, you've done almost nothing all year. Another guy that may be a little bit, uh, let's say, less less, uh, uh, less down in the dumps. Down in the dumps, gaining some steam. Uh, people are really banking on a situation change, but I'm comfortable moving at his current price. is going to be Tajay Spears. Now, you guys may not know, but Tajay Spears is checking in already on Keep Trade Cut as RB17. Kind of like Kyron Williams, this is an easy move for me. Uh, do like his profile, like his production, like everything that he did this year. Outside of the fact that he could never really unseat Derrick Henry, he did have a role, he did do some stuff on the field, but you are banking 100% on a situation change. And it's a situation change at the running back where we honestly don't know. We honestly don't know year to year with a lot of these running backs how the backfield's going to shake out. We don't know if Vrabel's going to still be in Tennessee this time next year, if that coaching staff is still going to be in place. What happens if they change everything? They bring in a new coaching staff because Vrabel leaves, whether it's in trade. You know, it's probably going to be on good terms if he leaves. I don't think, you know, I'm not saying he's getting fired. Um, it's probably going to be on a mutual parting of ways or a trade or something like that. If it, if it were to happen, let me be clear, if it were to happen. But what if a new coaching staff comes into place? Maybe they don't have the affinity that they uh, the the previous one did with Tajay Spears. Maybe his role that he already had evaporates. He's not just going to walk into the, being the replacement for Derrick Henry. These are all things you have to take into consideration. And RB seventeen prices, I don't want to gamble on that. If that's the kind of you know mid range RB two uh, that people want to bank on. By all means, I'll let everybody else bank on it, and I will bank on maybe more proven ones. I will down-tier, gain more assets. So Tajay Spears does fit this year two. Uh, we're going to call them kind of RB flops. Um, not all of them are completely flops, but a, a majority of them are flops, and those are easy sells. Uh, we could throw Keaton Mitchell in there too. It was a nice story. Uh, you like what you saw for a while there from him. He did get injured, unfortunately. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's due to his size or anything like that. Um, and I'm not as big as a, a running back size snob as I used to be, but Keaton Mitchell is carrying RB 25 prices on keep trade cut. Uh, that's also just an easy pivot. Running back is such a fluid, uh, just such a fluid position, right? Year to year where we really don't know who's going to be good, who's going to be bad. Uh, just looking at, Keep trade cut ranks right now, like where they go. So at RB6, you have Devon Achan. He wasn't there to start the season. Nobody projected that. I don't think Kyron Williams, RB7, we talked about him. James Cook all the way up to RB10. Rashad White, RB11. Both those guys came from, from lower uh, back end. You, we did a podcast on this, me and Adam, talking about offseason moves with running backs. And running backs was the most fluid position as far as guys coming out of nowhere moving up ranks and all of a sudden being valued pretty high. So 
if there's one position where people want to bank on certainty and bank on the situation being better or bank on a bigger role uh, that I want to capitalize on, it's going to be the running back position when I move them. Uh, it's just such a devastating position uh, for fantasy purposes because these guys go in and out to get hurt. Uh, the roles change. Guys we used to love, you know, we're high on Ramondre Stevenson types. All of a sudden they're not doing anything. The Damian Pierces of the world are dead. Uh, Najee Harris there for a while <laughs> looked dead. Playoff winner, by the way, Najee Harris. League winner, Najee Harris. <laughs> got to throw that out there for all the hate that he got all year. Jerome Ford is another guy who kind of came out of nowhere. Raheem Mostert definitely came out of nowhere now. Didn't help you in week 17, but carried your fantasy team for most of the season at the running back position. So these year two running back, if there's still a lot of hope on them, if there's still buyers out there, these are easy re-rolls. Reroll it into the 24 class. Uh, a lot of these guys, I wouldn't even care. Uh, Roshan, I'll take any third. That includes 25. Kendra, same thing. Tank Bigsby, I will take a bag of peanuts, a uh, bag of chips, whatever you got for, for Tank Bigsby. Uh, Charbonnet uh, carries a little bit more value. Tajay Spears and Keaton Mitchell, those are the ones where, yeah, let me get a second. Uh, let me get a second plus. Let me get another running back plus a, plus a second. Let me get another running back plus a third. Those are the kind of deals I would be using or looking at getting to move those guys. And last one, I got I got one wide receiver. One wide receiver. This was the tough one to to look at and do. Wide receivers, and this pretty much just stemmed from last night. I was sitting around watching the uh, the college football playoff games. I was updating my own dynasty ranks over at our Patreon, uh, in our Discord, and and kind of talking with people. And the the big thing I I noticed when I did is when I got to the wide receiver position. How tough it was to rank wide receivers, um, and, and not at the top. You know, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, those guys are amazing. Tyreek Hill, Amon Ra, A.J. Brown, like those are really, really good wide receivers. Once you got past that, though, there's a lot of guys I like. There's a ton of guys I like, and it was so hard to, to differentiate or to rank them uh, accordingly and put them in spots that I felt like were good or made sense to me, and I could stand behind one of them that stood out, though, was Tank Dell. Uh, Tank Dell, big surprise. I, huge miss for me. Uh, I didn't I didn't like Tank Dell. I didn't think he was going to do anything this year. I didn't think I ended up with a lot of Tank Dell shares, which over 40 dynasty leagues to say I don't have more than maybe one or two Tank Dell shares laying around. is It was a miss. It was a huge miss by me. But wow, did he produce. Wow, did he flash. He, he, he made a fan out of me. But I go and look at keep trade cut and take Dell's wide receiver 16, and it's not saying that that's not deserving because you could probably make a case for him even higher if you wanted to, and I think it would be reasonable. The problem with Tank Dell at wide receiver 16 I have is that he's a smaller kind of niche wide receiver, which he's a little bit of an outlier, which is fine. Like I could probably get behind it. But when I'm doing my fantasy ranks from wide receiver, and I'm being completely honest, from wide receiver 70, to probably 30, 29 for sure, 7 to 29 we'll say, I look at them and I go, man, I can make a case for them just about anywhere in this ranks. You know, some of them have better cases than others, but I can make a case. It's it's almost like one big giant tier. And the worst part about it is 2024, you're probably looking at 5, 6, maybe 7, 8, nine wide receivers who are going to have day one or early day two draft capital. 
who all I all really like. And now we have to slot them in the into this seven from 29 rank. I'm just doing it for, for existing guys, guys who are in the league right now. If I got to put another six, seven wide receivers into my dynasty ranks that are going to slot somewhere from seven to 36, you know, that, that range, holy cow, how do you differentiate or how do you capitalize on it? It's by trading within the tier, pure and simple. And Tank Dell is the, the easiest one to do. Tank Dell is probably the one who has the biggest outlier profile out of all those wide receivers in there, right? So we're talking about Michael Pittman, right? Alpha on his team. Brandon Ayuk, shown to be the alpha on his team. Chris Olave, we know what he did his rookie year. Garrett Wilson, same thing. T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, Puka Nakua. You could probably make a case he's a he's an outlier, but the production just speaks for itself. The production is off the charts. What a year by Puka Nakua. And he's not an outlier from a, a physical size standpoint, uh, maybe maybe a little bit from the speed standpoint or the school he came from, uh, college production, if you wanted to go that route, that's fine. But uh, not as big as an outlier, in my opinion. DJ Moore, definitely not an outlier. DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Zay Flowers, I guess, maybe from the size, but the production has been elite. The college production was elite. Uh, the only thing that really held me back a little bit on Zay Flowers was the, the size, just the height, uh, not the BMI, because <laughs> he's put together. Um Jalen Waddell, Debo Samuel, Drake London, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Nico Collins, Rasheed Rice, Jordan Addison, Jaden Reed. You know, that's those are the guys we're talking about. Chris Godwin, you can make a case for Deontay, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup, right? George Pickens. There's a lot of guys. All right. That's the big point. The the one that's probably the most outlier when I look at that list or has maybe the biggest red flag is Tank Dell. And it's not because I don't think he's talented. Uh Maybe I have a little bit of carryover. Maybe it's a little bit of take lock. But when I look at it, that's the one that stood out to me the most. And if he's going confidently for a lot of people as wide receiver 16, it's such a big tier. I want to see if I can pivot within that tier and get a plus. I want to see if somebody would rather buy, uh, you know, Tank Dell and I can get their, their Nico Collins, his teammate. And any kind of plus, a Rasheed Rice and a plus, a Debo Samuel for production standpoint and a plus, Diggs, Jaden Reed, George Pickens, Cooper Cup. Like, if you give me any plus with a lot of these guys in the tier, I just smash it. I, I say thank you. I appreciate you. I smile. I hit the accept button and I move on. <laughs> and you enjoy Tank Dell. I'll enjoy the similar wide receiver, whether it's from a production standpoint, uh, dynasty value doesn't really matter. They're within the tier and the tier encompasses all, and I will take the plus. Um, as far as if I were to move Tank Dell, uh, you could move him within that range, you know, like I mentioned with the the rookie class, right? Um, man, it, it's crazy to say this, but I would say any super flex rookie pick within the top 10 uh, for my Tank Dell, easy. Uh, I don't even think twice about it. I will take the pick, and you can have Tank Dell, and I will... See what I can do with that pick. Um, 11 and 12, maybe it's a little bit of a tougher sell, but I still think that's something that you should probably consider. Uh, an early second and a plus, not the worst idea either, uh, but that's really scraping the bottom of the barrel, and you shouldn't have to settle for that. I'm telling you, you can shoot a lot higher. The The fever, the fervor around Tank Dell is, is much higher. So Tank Dell's rounding out the list of Dynasty Cells. Uh, players that I would move immediately as soon as possible, uh, at least explore. 
Uh, don't do yourself a disservice if you roster any of these guys. Um, and if somebody comes to you offering these players, uh, know that they're a snake charmer. <laughs> Tell them no. <laughs> get out of my DMs. I don't want it. Uh, get away from me. I don't want to do this. I appreciate everybody sitting in, struggling through another solo episode with me. Uh, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to get better, but uh, it's been a great time over here at, at uh, Campus of Canton. Love doing it. Reminder, promo code South Harmon. Uh, off-season is just starting, and uh, no better way than to use that promo code. Go sign up at campusofcanton.com with the promo code South Harmon. Get you some money off, get some awesome tools, start your off-season prep in the best way possible, and campusdecan.com has you covered, covered, front to back. They have you covered in the off-season. Uh, it's been a great season here on Canton Bound. Really appreciate everybody tapping in, all the new audience members that we've had. Uh, really big shout-out to the uh, the Campus to Canton crew for, for bringing us on. Had a great time. Uh, we had an incredible guest with Brandon Sanders on, so really look, looking forward to doing more stuff with him. Uh, also getting him into uh, some Dynasty Best Bowl Leagues, so uh, we'll make that happen here during orphan season. <laughs> Orphan season proceeds off season, but orphan season. So we'll get those filled. But uh, really appreciate everybody. And hopefully next week, uh, Adam and I will be back together to bring you another episode of Canton Bound. But until then, uh, happy new year, everybody. Hope you guys all had a great holiday season. And we'll see you next time.